With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a good football show live from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. The National Broadcasting Corporation has decided to send myself, Patrick Darty, and Craig Dennis Carter to cover SBLV1 from every possible angle. It has been written into our contracts that by Friday we have to have a final score to guarantee the viewers. So, that's right. That's uh, right. We're going to be workshopping that all week, Danny. And, and I think that's fair. You know, I think it's fair to, to for us to have to guess the exact score or lose our jobs. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure why we agreed to the being fired part <laughs> if it's not 21-11 Rams right. in the Super Bowl on Sunday. But Our, our agents uh, let us down there. Yeah, they're yeah, bad. But they're real bad. Don't hire uh, Sam Johnston um, from, it's an agency you've never heard of. Poor, but, poor Sam. Yeah, he was the best we could afford. Uh, we're also going to talk about the week's biggest news, including the Miami Dolphins hiring 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel as their new head coach. And then we will welcome in Bet the Edges, Drew Densick, to talk about some of the most intriguing props heading into Sunday's big game. But then he first uh, was shocked to find out this is your first time in the Pacific time zone, the Western time zone. It is. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the West Coast where, you know, we're 12 hours behind the East Coast right now? It feels like that. Uh, yeah, it took me 38 years to get over to the West Coast. Um, I figure I, I could make one more trip to the West Coast before I die. So, you know, this is this is the first. I get the second. It is, it's very strange. I, I actually didn't expect people to walk around holding uh, surfboards, but th- they do. <laughs> They do. Every every single person has a surfboard. They're walking around. They're wearing bathing suits. It's very strange for February, but uh, I guess that's the West Coast for you. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. Like, just like every street is the beach. Like the whole town is just on just, the beach. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. right. I mean, you know, back home it's thirty degrees. You know, people are properly miserable. Uh, it's not the case here, and uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm so I'm a li- I'm a little confused. I'm a little thrown off. Yeah, kidding aside, I did get very sweaty walking to the convention center <laughs> yesterday, which was not something I've been dealing with in Missouri lately. But did I was kidding about having like the real score nailed down? But every day, so no, it's just Monday of Super Bowl week. I thought we might as well, like, because our feelings are going to change every day on this game. Yeah. Where are you at on Super Bowl 56 on Monday, February 7th right now? What are your initial feelings? And we're going to just try to track how these evolve yeah. over the course of the week. Uh, yeah. What are your initial thoughts on the game? So uh, for the past 48 hours, I've been, you know, looking into what these teams have done in recent weeks and kind of the trends heading into this game. And what I've determined, it brings me no pleasure, and it's this. We have two teams with two great quarterbacks uh, who will not use those quarterbacks at all, and instead will <laughs> do whatever they can. Will, will do whatever they can to, to get the ball out of their quarterback's hands. They will try to establish the run, uh, uh, come hell or high water. And, you know, especially the Rams, who have gone very run heavy over the past five or six weeks. Uh, I think that that'll continue. And I think that the, in order to protect Joe Burrow, 
behind an offensive line that's probably bottom three or bottom five uh, in the league, the Bengals are going to try to run Joe Mixon as much as possible. And I think that's unfortunate for the viewing public. It is. So, yeah, my initial feelings on So it's a 48-and-a-half over-under. And I just, yeah, the under is feeling very live to me because, like you said, the Rams have transitioned so hard to the run. Right. Whereas, too, on the other side, the Rams are going to dare the Bengals to run. Right. And we know how much the Bengals love to run. The Rams play a lot of light boxes. Uh, they're going to give the Bengals every opportunity to run. I think a stat that I saw from uh, 4 for Force Connor Allen, is that I think the Bengals ran on 19 of 27 first downs, or maybe 17 of 29, excuse mm-hmm. me, first downs in the AFC Championship game. This yes. is a team that establishes at all costs, and it just, just feels like establishment is going to be the order of the day, even though, like you said, we have a young superstar in Joe Burrow, and then Matthew Stafford, who just loves to sling it around the yard. It's a, it's a horrifying thing to, to realize that the, the Bengals are – absolutely committed to running on first down which is one of you know the the most negative ev things that you can do as an offense is is running the ball on first down uh, mcveigh used to avoid that or at least in the first half of the season not so much anymore with you know trying to make cam Akers a thing over and over and over again I don't see any reason that's going to change, especially against the Bengals defense, you know, that can be had uh, and, and has and has been exploited by good running teams. Whether the Rams are a good running team, I guess, is another question. Well, yeah, it's a weird thing, too, because the Rams were like pretty poor against the run during the regular season, but have like really tightened up in the postseason. Right? Even the 49ers couldn't run the ball right. at all. I mean, Elijah Mitchell, like a right. carries for 20 yards. But just, yeah, the Bengals have that's what they've wanted to do all year. And that is what the Rams have been doing. I mean, every game the Rams are getting to 30, 35 rushes in the postseason. And it does feel like it's going to be disappointingly run-heavy game script. It does. Uh, people should still watch the game on NBC, they by should, the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I know we're painting an ugly picture here. Uh, you know, hopefully, my hope is that these teams will realize what they have in their quarterbacks and in their pass catchers, fantastic pass catchers all, all around uh, in this game on both sides of the ball. Um, but really, like, in order to... Uh, you know, for the Bengals especially, in order to protect Burrow, to make sure that he doesn't end up on the ground more often than not, they're going to use Mixon as much as possible. So we both think it's going to be run heavy right now by Friday. But like, yeah, you know, there's just no way they're not going to be slinging it. <laughs> Fifty-five attempts for both. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think season high in attempts for both quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, that's just the way this game is always destined to be played. Right. And yeah, so that is our initial feeling. We'll probably we'll that'll evolve over the week, but it should be pretty close to that. Denny. The most toxic job in America is no longer being your intern, but it's being head coach of the Miami Dolphins. So it surprised us when they managed to hire one of this year's hottest assistants and 49ers offensive coordinator, Mike McDaniel, who before becoming a like coaching candidate was like going viral a lot on Twitter, kind of for like talking like us. We're cool. It's like talking like 35 year old right. bros. For being cool. Yeah. yeah <laughs> being very cool. Yeah. Exactly. And strikes me as a very good outcome for the Dolphins. Like, do you yeah. think, is this like the best the Dolphins? Is it this, was this like just a good outcome for any team, but especially for the Dolphins that looked like they were going to be like persona non grata for like hot coaching candidates? I kind of can't believe that they came away with Mike McDaniel no. because it it seems like way too good of a hire for a franchise uh, that was reeling after. Uh, you know, letting Brian Flores go and uh, then the controversy that came with that, with Brian Flores's allegations against the uh, team owner. I, I, I think it's, it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic for everybody involved in that offense, including Tua, including uh, uh, Jalen Waddle. I think uh, they couldn't have done better with getting a guy who is, you know, potentially very innovative, forward-looking, 
and you know comes from the Shanahan tree, which is you know at least produced efficient offenses, and that's something we couldn't say about the 2021 Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it's like maybe they can do like that Shanny thing. The, the, you know how the Shanny offense has been so yards after catch based the yeah. past years, and if they can like get that magic cooking with Tua Tagovailoa yeah. and Jalen Waddle, who they were using, Jalen Waddle can be more than a yak guy. Yeah, he can be like a downfield weapon, but does maybe they can get um, some of that that yak magic going um, with the with their pass catchers and just yeah, I just can't believe they were able to come ahead. Like I'm good for Mike McDaniel, like good for the Dolphins that he's willing to like cast his lot with them and try because yeah, he's one of the most intriguing hires and seemingly like a perfect antidote for like what ails them. Like such bad offense, like not bad, but like so, so conservative. Yes. Like my, my doll, I keep using a line from my Dolphins fan friend, but he, he said, Brian Flores coached like it was illegal to win by more than three points. <laughs> and like, that's not going to be the case with Mike McDaniel. So just, uh, it is a really, really good for a team that should not have fired their head coach. No, of course not. They should no. not have fired Brian Flores, who is an elite defensive coach, whereas most head coaches aren't elite at anything. They should not have fired Brian Flores, but after all that, they have come out the other end with an actual good head coach, and it's a really good move for the 49ers. Denny, another team that should not have fired their head coach was the Houston Texans. And uh, it's clearly evidenced by the fact that they had no plan whatsoever or that their plan was to hire a person who had never even been a position coach and Josh McCown and then they got intimidated out of that plan uh, now it appears they're going to hire Lovey Smith who was honestly an underrated coach during his time with the Chicago Bears but that was 10 years ago he had a rough pit stop with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where he was fired so they could promote Dirk Cutter yeah like, probably not a good sign for didn't work career out where you're getting ushered out for Dirk Cutter but now Lovey Smith is apparently the front runner to be Houston's Texans head coach. Like, is there any any positive way to spin this for Houston Texans fans, or is this just an organization like as listless and adrift as it could possibly be? The one positive that could come from this is some some organizational, uh, you know, uh, getting right. You know, some 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 possibly uh, getting getting their ducks in a row and finally like having like a real football organization. If he can. If Lovey Smith can hand off offensive uh, play calling and offensive responsibility to you know a forward-looking offensive coordinator, I think that it could be even better. Uh, in twenty in twenty fifteen, the the Bucks under Lovey Smith uh, were among the league leaders in yards per play, yards per game, points per game. Um, it was a, a huge departure from twenty fourteen, and and the the main thing was that Lovey Smith had handed off. Uh, play calling responsibilities, at offensive responsibilities completely. So if if he can do that once again here, I think I think it could be decent for the Texans. Although you still have the problem of a depleted roster. Yeah. So Levy Smith is that kind of coach who knows what he doesn't know. He knows he's not the offensive guy. Like he needs to let someone else right. basically be the CEO of the offense. But you know, Levy, he's kind of become a meme because you know he's old for an NFL coach. He now has like the Santa Claus beard. But yeah. the Houston Texans defense did wildly overachieve in 2021 and while it like was not anyone's plan who they should have he's not like a joke of a head coach you know this isn't we have some situations where team like well yeah this is gonna be like in one or two years like why did they hire jack del rio for the ninth time or whatever <laughs> and like where lovey smith seems like he can still coach nfl defense because oh going back to his time with the rams has been able to coach nfl defense 
And maybe, like another guy who was a finalist for the job, Brian Flores, maybe at the very least he will lock down his side of the ball. And if they can just somehow find a CEO yeah. for the offense, I mean, because uh, you know, Davis Mills was serviceable. Uh, yeah, he was, sir, you know. For, for a third round rookie for no expectations, that was a good outcome, too. But I mean, statistically, he was the best rookie quarterback by miles. Yeah. But so, like, just if the plan though, all along, though, was to give Lovey Smith his third NFL job. Maybe you should have just kept uh, David Culley after he wildly overachieved in one year on the job. You, you could have yeah. done that, and you could have saved a lot of embarrassment. But Lovey Smith, I think, is the is the kind of the cowardly hire that they're doing because they couldn't hire Josh McCown without facing an enormous public relations backlash. Um, I think that's who they wanted to hire all along. That's one of the, who they wanted to hire last year too, but they they couldn't pull the trigger there. So uh, they they end up with Lovey Smith. You know, I I don't I honestly don't know fantasy wise. I don't know if there's like a huge shift here in any in any meaningful way. No, nothing's gonna be that different from that perspective. The personnel can't get that much better next year in offense. They're not gonna be like overnight like no. a super talented skill core. The, Tim Kelly was an okay offensive coordinator. Fine. It's not yeah. like he was someone like they had to get out of there. So yeah. The, the, the 2022 Houston Texans will probably still look a lot like the 2021 Houston Texans. D- Denny, and the biggest news you have heard all week, and probably will hear all week, is that C.J. Ozama has guaranteed <laughs> that he will not miss the biggest game of his life and that he will be active for Super Bowl 56 for the Cincinnati Bengals. Is every DFS lineup going to be oriented around C.J. Ozama for the Super Bowl? We've talked, we talked about my C.J. Ozama podcast, uh, <laughs> which, uh, which has no That's, no yeah, that's on Peacock, actually. Right. Uh, that's on Peacock. So, no, it's gonna, we're, we're getting a huge promotional budget behind it. We're going to actually get people to start listening. Finally, to finally. Thank you. Besides my, you know, my mom and my wife uh, listening <laughs> Even to Even though it. she's never heard of C.J. Ozama. No. No, she loves to support not. her son. Though. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, Ozama said he's playing. I'm still skeptical. You know, we, we really we have to watch the practice report this week. Um, if he can't get in even, you know, a limited practice by the end of the week, I, I think that we can we can count him out. We can count on Drew Sample, uh, you know, eventually coming in and playing the tight end position. Now, what it means really for fantasy purposes is that Tyler Boyd would uh, – you know, absorb most of those intermediate short area targets if Uzama can't go. If Uzama goes, you know, I actually kind of like his fantasy prospects. That's assuming that he's okay enough to play a full complement of snaps, which, you know, who knows? Because uh, uh, after that Chiefs game, he's in a full lit cast on his leg. He, he can't, he's in a wheelchair. I don't, I don't understand how he's going to go. Well, the only way he could go is because it's the Super Bowl, and they're going to give him, like, every shot known to man. <sighs> man and I, you remember Gronk? I think, what Super Bowl was it? It was, like, 2013 or something. He played through, like, a high ankle yes. sprain that he suffered in the AFC. Like, or, or, they, uh, these players are capable of, like, superhuman feats right. when it's the biggest game of their life. And At, uh, Terrell Owens. Yes, uh, uh, it broke uh, when he leg. played for the Eagles, it was like, yeah, it was like four leg. or five weeks later, and he had like 160 yeah. yards. Yes, uh, unbelievable. So, uh, he probably will be out. It, it does. It's crazy. It does have massive DFS implications, even it though does. it's just CJ Ozama. Because like it comes down to CJ Ozama or Tyler Boyd, or because yeah. Drew Sample, man, he had like 11 targets all year. I mean, we had a podcast though where we're like, yeah, there's no way they'll throw to Drew Sample, and then we like during the show He's pulled up his Pro Football Reference. Like, I kind of forgot he caught 40 45 passes, passes yeah, yeah, last, year. last year. Well. Uh, so it is physically possible to throw. To it is, Campbell. but he he is he was mostly used for blocking purposes last week. Um, I'm not sure if that changed, especially against the Rams' pass rush. You know, yeah, he's a born blocker. Yeah, he's gonna be he's just like chipping constantly. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he'll probably like he'll like he'll be like and there's an extra blocker. He'll like leak out at the goal line and he'll score two touchdowns yeah. somehow. But you 
Right. Exa- yeah. Exactly. But the the, the main the main injuries uh, for DFS purposes are Uzama and then Tyler Higby on the other side of the ball. If if those guys can't go, it really changes the dynamic for the, the players who will absorb, uh, you know, the, the targets and receptions that they usually get. And we will be tracking that all week at NBC Sports Edge and our player news page. Neither one of them got in a single practice rep last week, which is actually the week where teams install, like, their Super Bowl game right. plan. And this week is basically just, like, walkthroughs. But... Well, they will issue injury reports, I believe, still. So we'll see if they get like a, even a, even like a single limited designation on Friday would right. mean Tyler Higby or C.J. Ozama are playing. And they could both play without practicing. And it seems like they're both going to maybe try to be out there. And You would think. Just follow it during the week on NBC Sports Edge. That's right. Before we get bring in Mr. Drew Densick to talk about all the hot player props, which mostly just involve Evan McPherson, uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, the GM, John Robinson, has said that Ryan Tannehill is our quarterback for 2022. Danny, you are a salary cap expert. And yeah, uh, according to you, that, that he is definitely their quarterback for 2022 because it's basically not financially possible for them to move on from him. Yeah, my salary cap expertise goes like this. Uh, I go online and I find that Ryan, Can- Ryan Tannehill's cap hit goes from $11.1 million in 2021 to $38.6 million in 2022. Uh, cutting Tannehill before June 1st would mean $57 million in dead money for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this all says that Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback, whether they like it or not. And they probably don't like it, but there's nothing they can do now uh, after this disappointing postseason. Yeah, people have been listening to the show, probably kind of like beating a dead horse on Ryan Tannehill, but he's like the ultimate, you can win with him, but you saw in the division around, like if you really, really need him to make a play, it's kind of like the Jared Goff thing, where like in like the crunch time moments, the, he like he can't create instant offense. No, like he can't make. So that's a big reason. Like the Rams moved on from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is a mistake-prone player, kind of like Jared Goff, but like he can create instant offense. Like he can make a play, and Tannehill is just kind of in this where unless it's like play action, you know, the, the Titans have gotten predictable in play action too. The teams know when it's coming. Sometimes teams sell out to stop the fake yeah. against the Titans actually, and it just seems like maybe they've taken this formula. To its logical conclusion, yes. but they're going. Yeah, they're running it back for 2022. They are because everyone's coming back. The whole skill core is intact, and yeah, like it would leave behind just an untenable amount of dead money. And he will be. It could be a situation. I will be interested to see. You know, every day we're told you sign on a Twitter like it's a bad quarterback draft class. Yeah. And, you know, the Titans have a low pick. You know, they're going to be picking like the mid 20s. Could they be a team maybe that takes advantage of a like a toolsy quarterback yeah. sliding in a supposedly bad, or like they get in a nice bridge situation with Ryan Tannehill? And I could see that coming, that happening. But Ryan Tannehill will be the Titans' Week One starter no matter what. I think that you hit it on the head when you said they they brought this experiment as far as they can go with with Tannehill at the helm. This extremely conservative, run heavy, uh, good defense, good special teams approach. You know, it got the one, it, they got the number one seat this year. That's great for them. But that was it. You know, that's that's as far as they can possibly climb with Ryan Tannehill under center. I think, um, I think from from here on out, it, it, it gets much worse for Tannehill. And it's the just it's a formula where there's no margin for error if there are errors. And in the division round, there were tip ball interceptions. Yes. There were errors like this kind of stuff that just like get you off your plan. You have to ad lib, and you just he's just not someone yet. Like Patrick Mahomes won several games early in the season where he had like two or three interceptions. Like they can like work around that. 
the Titans a team, if they make like two turnovers in the first half, like the game's essentially over. It, and that, that's not how the divisional round, they still almost won. Right. But there's just so little room for error. <laughs> well, well it, 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 you know, we all said coming into the playoffs, Titans the worst number one seed in history. And they said, yeah, actually we are. Yeah, so, I know, yeah, I know. It, was, well, it was good yeah, confirmation. So all week during the divisional round, we're like, you know, the Chiefs, Bills, like that's the de facto AFC championship game, right? And then, right. then the follow-up line was always, well, you know, the Titans did beat both of them. And yes. they are the one seed. And the Titans also beat the Rams and 49ers, by the way. <laughs> like So the, they beat both NFC Championship game participants. They yeah. beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. But since this is football, they went home. Small sample sizes, yeah. I would say. Yeah, small sample sizes and uh, just the, the arbitrary and capriciousness of football, Denny. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster has said he is, quote-unquote, likely headed to free agency. Uh, he was headed to free agency last year. That's where he ended up. Everyone thought he'd be gone from the Steelers. But he's like a silver, or not silver. The Steelers are silver, right? <laughs> yes, uh, a yellow and black homer. <laughs> he took a, He was one of the rare people that actually took a hometown discount mm-hmm. to return the Pittsburgh Steelers. It seems like that is not going to happen this time around again. For a rebuilding team, uh, is there anywhere, where would we like to see Juju Smith-Schuster end up? I think the, the answer to, to all these questions about where would we like this receiver to end up always points to Kansas City. Always. You know, because please sign someone cool. Yeah, please, 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 because please. we want that third receiver. Like, like we thought it was Sammy Watkins for a little while, and then we thought, well, maybe it was Byron Pringle and then Hart, well, Hardman before him. And it's not. It's never anybody. So, you know, perhaps Juju could fill that role. But really, for fantasy, fantasy purposes, I think it would still be, obviously, just the Tyreek and uh, the Tyreek and Kelsey show, and Juju would be there, you know, to, to get some of the short area targets. I, I will say that the, the, the Kansas City approach this year of, uh, you know, combating the cover two shell made it so that maybe a slot receiver who is getting a lot of those short area targets could have some success, especially for PPR formats. So in, in that way, I think Juju could be somewhat successful there. Not a great ceiling, though, uh, wherever he goes. Yeah, so we're just going to spend the entire offseason imploring Juju Smith-Schuster to sign with the Chiefs and give them an actual weapon over yeah, the middle. Juju, I know you're listening. <laughs> Call Andy Reid today, yeah, please. Yeah, please do. Have your agent just get on the horn with every Chief. And <laughs> With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
maybe we're talking fast because we're at uh, Radio Row. We're out of news topics. We are. And it is time to welcome in Bet the Edges, Drew Densick, to talk some of our favorite Super Bowl player. This guy knows more about props than any person on the planet, basically. And he knows more about kickers than you. So, but Drew should sue you, by the way, because Denny is marketed as knowing more about <laughs> kickers than anyone on planet Earth. And uh, just from knowing Drew for like five minutes in real life, uh, it was evident he knows more about kickers than you. Oh. And so we're going to start with, so what is our first prop? I may, I may yeah. have given it away. What is our first prop to talk about well, Drew, for Super Bowl 56? With Drew? Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but you are you're very much into uh, taking Evan McPherson in the longest field goal prop, correct? Yeah, correct. If you could only let me have one bet on the game at all. It's amazingly in the longest field goal market. <laughs> that is the highest. That's the highest plus EV bet on the board, in my opinion. And it's a pretty straightforward handicap. Uh, you know, Matt Gay has had a terrific season. He is. You, if you just look at the statistics, you can expect he's going to be able to get you a, a long field goal in this game, no problem. The issue is in the pre in the pre uh, uh, warm ups to the uh, Tampa Bay game, Matt Gay picks up an injury. They trot him out there anyway to try a 47-yarder to put the game on ice. He comes up woefully short. Which, again, we have not seen since 1992, <laughs> like an NFL kicker being short in a 47 No, especially this year. This yeah. year has been all about the kickers making just absurdly long field goals there look was, easy. Yeah, there yeah. was literally a 60 minutes on kickers this year. That's how big kickers <laughs> have gone. They were doing 60 yes, minutes. Yes, and Matt Gay was among those guys you could count on to make the 50-yarder until he picks up this injury in the Tampa Bay pregame. And uh, lo and behold, they trot him out. I, and actually, I was at the Rams game, and I saw them try get Gay out to attempt a 52, 54 yarder or something like that. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was yeah. like, "This is ridiculous. What are we doing here?" <laughs> and the at the attempt itself, people like audibly laughed. Really? In the in the in the crowd, like Rams fans, you would think they would be upset. They were like, "What was that? That was an absolute joke." And so, realistically, the likelihood that McVeigh even brings Gay out to attempt one of these long field goals, I think, is low. Uh, on top of the fact that McPherson, as you guys know well, this is like he is the heir apparent, in my opinion, to Justin Tucker in terms of the guy you want on the field to make the high leverage kick, especially when it's in the 40 plus mm -hmm. 50 yard range. And so I think, uh, you know, the, the perfect storm is what we've seen a lot from this Bengals offense where they move the ball between the 20s comfortably, yeah. you know, relatively easily. And then as soon as they get in there, it's one yard of Joe Mixon for one. Joe Mixon for one. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, Joe Burrow gets sacked minus seven yards. And so we bring out Evan McPherson, and Evan, you know, McPherson hits a 47-yarder. And, we, we and he it, makes we, it okay. And he makes it okay, and we call it, we call it a Super Bowl. So That's right. That's, that's the dream scenario here. But realistically, uh, you know, I saw them open this about even odds, like the, which team was going to kick the longest field goal. Um, and my fare on this is actually close to – uh, Bengals minus 200. So happily, happily yeah. taking the fair price uh, uh, for the Bengals to kick the longest field goal. Honestly, I think McPherson's in line to have a big day in general. Mm -hmm. uh, the same kind of concepts about the uh, the Bengals being able to pass protect and sort of the high leverage downs when the field gets short. Uh, you know, when the uh, interior offensive line really gets tested. You know, I think those are the those are the third downs where you're going to see them turn into uh, field goal attempts. Yeah. Well, you have two things working for you. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned. Uh, the Bengals will let McPherson kick anywhere. You know, anywhere. if it's conceivable that he's going to get it there, they're going to let him kick, just like the Ravens do with Justin Tucker. Also, I have some some stats on his long field goals here. McPherson's 12 for 14 this season from over 50 yards, and no one has more 50 plus yard field goals this season. So he happens to be really good at those long ones. And he's a rookie. 
It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the guts that this guy brings out onto the yeah. field are unreal. Uh, you know, it started week one. He hits the game winner against the Vikings. That was absurdly long. Uh, and then, sure enough, he's carried it right through into the uh, overtime winner against the Chiefs. So, uh, you know, that guy's got he's got the goods. Absolutely. It, make, it makes sense that it's a situation, too, where you get soft odds because it seems like an obscure bet, like, well, that's like a dumb thing to yeah, bet well, on. Like, who knows? It's like a coin flip. But <laughs> yeah. Nothing's like truly a coin flip. Yeah. And, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because, yeah, that, that, that field goal made such an impression on me when he was short on 47 that I, like, looked up his pro football reference. I'm like, Matt Gay's bad, right? And I looked it <laughs> no. up and he made, like, He's 94% going. of his field goals right. this year. And, yeah, he yeah. just it wasn't healthy. And I guess, I mean, they could have replaced him for the Super Bowl. They have not done that. He's had some time to heal up. But... Even beyond that, like Evan McPherson, like as we said, is Justin Tucker Jr. I believe the Rams did sign someone to their practice squad just in case. Uh, so we'll we'll have to see on that. So uh, some other some other props we wanted to mention and get your take on Drew. Uh, one was Tyler Boyd, who got more involved in the offense with CJ Uzama going out in the AFC Championship game. Um, his over under of four receptions, he has, uh, and then his over under on yardage is twenty six point five yards. How do you feel about those two things? Well, they're fascinating numbers because if you look at his season averages, he's averaging about four catches a game. Yeah. So the fact that his total of receptions for this game is four, not surprising. He's averaging about 55 yards receiving per game. So at first blush, you would say, why in the world is it 26? Like, there's got to be something funny going on here. And actually, what this speaks more to, even than having an angle on this bet, is talking a little bit about how the, how the props market has matured. Mm -hmm. Because five years ago, his total would be 55. Really? Like 100%. They would just, it would, they would pluck, pluck off whatever his season average is, and that would be the number hanging there. And you wouldn't, you know, you would use your intuition on like, okay, well, how has his usage changed as the season has gone on? Or yeah. like, is his average 55 because he's had a couple of just absolute blow up games? And that's really the case with that kind of a player. He's a feast or famine sort of guy. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, his average is skewed high because of a couple of just standout performances. And if you look at his median, it's actually closer to 30. So it's not crazy that like, you know, like like 50th percentile expectation for him is kind of right in that 20 to 30 range. Uh, my gut feeling of the four receivers uh, for the uh, for the Bengals, you can probably play under across all four and at least two are going to hit maybe three because the usage is going to be a little bit lopsided in terms of just what is working in that in that game. Mm -hmm. And uh, as we'll get to in a minute, I think there may be someone else that steals a little bit of the show when it comes to receiving yards for the Bengals. Real quick before we get yeah. to the next one, we, we were talking about Tyler Boyd. You, like, were you thinking about, like, a season yardage total? Like, didn't he have, like, eight or 900 yards? And I'm like, like, how many times has he even been under, whatever, what, at 26 and a half? I'm like, surely he's cleared that in every playoff game. And I looked, and, yeah, he had, like, 20 mm. yards in the AFC Championship game and, like, nine yards in the divisional round. So, like you said, the average was skewed by because I think he had, like, a 150-yard game one week or something. And, yeah, it's uh, he, he He's averaging, I wanted to point out, he's averaging 12.4 yards per reception this season. So if you think he's going to go over four, you I think you hammer the over on yardage as well. Um, but th I think this all, you know, assumes that C.J. Uzama is out. You know, if he's not out, I think that you go under on, on both of those uh, props here. Uh, move on to Joe Mixon, uh, over-under of four receptions and 24 and a half yards. Now we have the complication of uh, Samaj Pirine getting involved. He had the big touchdown uh, against, against the Chiefs. Uh, how do you feel about Mixon's uh, pass-catching prospects? Yeah, in general, I would look mostly to the Titans game to try to help inform what to expect from Mixon's usage and role in this particular contest. And the reason I say that is the defensive line for the Titans 
absolutely was dominant yeah. on that day. They they won every 1v1. They were constantly, you know, in the backfield applying pressure. They get nine sacks for crying out loud. Joe Mixon had eight targets in that game, or seven targets, I can't remember. Seven targets, six receptions, whatever the case was. His role as sort of the release valve in, in the screen game was supremely important in keeping that offense from just being completely useless. And I would expect that you see a lot of that in terms of the way that they come into a game plan against this Rams team. The Rams in general are not a team that I have a ton of respect for their tackling ability on the second level. Uh, so if Mixon's getting his targets and target share in this one, and if he gets, you know, and I would expect that to be four or five targets, targets, uh, I would expect he makes this yardage total relatively easily. Now, receptions, I'm pretty close to four. I'm a little on the high side there. I think realistically we could see a five-catch game from him, mm -hmm. um, but I'm coming in a lot closer to about 35 yards receiving from Mixon, and not only do, does that give you um, you know, a nice look here on receiving yards, but I think his rushing plus receiving is a fun way to attack too, because that's a little bit more resilient. Yeah. Like that's resilient to game state, right? Like mm -hmm. if the Bengals happen to catch a lead in this one, if things go their way, if they get a couple of turnovers, if they're playing from ahead, Mixon's going to be featured relatively heavily. And so I think realistically uh, you insulate yourself from game state if you go rushing plus receiving. And, yeah, he's almost kind of like game flow proof too because he gets yeah. 20 touches. The, the Samaji Piran stuff kind of got out of hand in like the <laughs> middle of the season, and it never totally went away yeah. as you alluded to. But, like, since December, you know, like the eight or nine biggest games of the year, he's basically every week getting 20 touches. So, yeah, hopefully he uh, also gets the targets. Yeah, uh, the, the Rams, uh, I wanted to mention Rams are allowing about six targets per game to running backs, which uh, is kind of, you know, in the middle of the, of the league. Um, but I, I have to think that the, the, the short area passing game and approach that the Bengals would likely take against the aggressive Rams pass rush would, would generate, you know, more targets than usual for Mixon. So I think I'd go over there. We have, uh, going over to the Rams, we have Cooper Cup. With it. He gets 10 targets every week, right? He's never been under 10 targets at all, even recently, Denny, right? But it's, Was it mysteriously two seven-target games recently? It was it was three, actually. And uh, so he, his over-under uh, for targets in this game is set at 11. He saw at least 11 targets in 13 of 20 games, but three of those seven games uh, have come in the past five weeks. So it, And, and I think that, that uh, what that is getting to is that Sean McVay has gone more run-heavy. Uh, and even though Cooper Cup is still dominating target share, it's, uh, it's not leading to the raw targets that he was seeing at the beginning of the season. So where do you stand on 11 targets for Cup? I'm a little on the over to that, but not enough to get involved from a play standpoint. And I guess my general kind of concern from the way that the game may play out, if I am in any way, shape, or form bullish on the Rams' chances, is the uh, the looks that the Bengals' defense gave Mahomes and the Chiefs in the second half of that contest, where Crazy. they were rushing three, dropping eight. That's a recipe for Stafford to have a sloppy game, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, or you know, for the, Cam Akers to get 35 carries. Yeah. Like, uh, if you think about, um, like, how the puzzle pieces fit together, um, Stafford against the Buccaneers defense was, like, an absolute perfect, yeah. perfect yes. fit because they're so aggressive, right. they leave their corners and their safeties on islands, and they say, you know, like, we're going we're gonna, to we're going to come after you. And that, for whatever reason, has been where Stafford has excelled so superlatively this season specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and I worry a little bit that if you break hard in the other direction and you are just dropping a million guys in coverage and you have a lot of guys that are, you know, they're ball hawks. You yeah. know, let's be, you know, be honest, like not just recently, but over the balance of the season, like they have, they have a nose for taking the they're ball. They're kind of like a big play defense. They're yeah. big play defense. Yeah. And so um, if I'm, you know, as a, you know, as a stakeholder in Rams winning this game, I'm nervous about seeing a lot of eight drop eights. And in those situations, like 
I, I can tell you with certainty that Cooper Cup is the most outstanding route runner that exists in the NFL right sure. now. He, he creates separation. He finds space where you think it's absolutely impossible. So the likelihood that they take him out of this game I have is very low. But at the same time, uh, if you're going to get involved in a Cooper Cup prop, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to swing for like MVP at the yeah, price right. we're getting uh, rather than take like over 11 targets. Because, you know, if, if he's in that rarefied air, all you really need then is a Rams win and a couple of Stafford turnovers and he's your guy. I, I think it would have to turn into a, a back and forth affair or uh, the Rams would have to face a pretty heavy second half deficit for Cup to get over the, the, those 11 targets here. Um, but, you know, you would think that when when uh, when it comes down to it, they're going to want the ball in Cooper Cup's hands. I, I know I'm not breaking shocking, there. Denny. I'm not Just shocking. I'm going to say that Cooper Cup's <laughs> the best player on the team. That's all you know. Well, Denny, we've made the joke like, speaking to how good Cooper Cup's route running is like Denny and I probably we make a lot of the same jokes over and over again. <laughs> yes. we, we would say a thing on the podcast like if I were opposing defensive coordinators, I would simply cover Cooper Cup. Like, that would just be something I would do if I got a shot in the NFL where I would, you know, just put defenders on him and prevent him. It's just, like, not possible though, because he's so good. Right. Well, and But the, the Bengals do, you know, like Drew said, they, they take this approach where more than any other team, they drop eight in coverage, especially on third downs. That causes Matt Stafford so many problems. Matt Stafford, by almost every measure, is the league's best quarterback under pressure this year. Not so when he, you know, when he's facing three and four, uh, three and four man rushes, and I think that that's what the Bengals will do here. That's like so Stafford, like Stafford, like his entire career, like if he's had, if, if yes. it's like instinct, he just like makes an amazing right, yeah. play. Right. And it's like he's like the classic quarterback. Like if you make him think too long, he'll yeah. just like throw the ball right to you for some reason. But like if yeah. you give him like a point two second reaction yeah. time, he just throws a forty five yard touchdown. Like he did against Tampa. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. on that the critical throw. play of his yeah. entire career was he just sticks. The throw. was just a gut call yeah, yeah downfield yeah, yeah. so i'll tell you something real quick about cooper cup that surprised me so i was at the nfc championship game and you have a tendency of like well, first off drew's bragging he's been to a football game <laughs> I mean, come on oh, i've been to so he's never even it's, seen it's quite the experience believe me um but no at the nfc championship game you're you're you, you know you watch the game differently when you're in person than you mm -hmm. see it on the television broadcast right. just because they're following the ball they're you know you're mostly watching the quarterback by like the third quarter i was watching cooper cup on every single yeah. offensive snap it was literally like I, like i didn't like if they were going to hand it off i was going to be like i'll oh, waste it down whatever if they were you know going to target <laughs> right. someone else it was like well that's going to be like a three-yard gain so like every time i you know they they lined up it was like where is he lining up what is he going to do and honestly like he was open on every right. single <laughs> snap it was crazy and they were trying they were trying hard they just couldn't get a body on him i find myself cringing when i watch guys try to cover him one-on-one -on -one because <laughs> it, it just it doesn't seem fair first of all with the motion that they use with Cooper Cup to get him in good spots That's and then point. his route running ability you, you, these these poor cornerbacks they have no chance and 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 that's why he has three four yards of separation on every single reception it's unbelievable so what Drew's saying is that Cooper Cup moves like Steph Curry without the ball oh what a comp <laughs> he moves like what Steph a Curry comp I think that's good yeah. that's good I, and I'll, I'll try to watch some basketball and know what you're you talking should, about yeah Google Steph Curry uh, show. I'll see if, uh, if he's any good uh, <laughs> we have uh, we have one more prop I wanted to ask you about uh, Drew uh, Cam Akers uh, who is the uh, unfortunately, been a workhorse, honestly, for the Rams. Like you said, it felt like a wasted down every time they gave him the ball last uh, last time out. Uh, he has an over-under, I thought this was very interesting, of 12 and a half receiving yards uh, in this game. Cincinnati, by the way, has allowed the third highest target share to running backs and the fifth most running back 
catches, but you know, Akers is just not really involved in the passing game. Would you would you take the over or under here? I don't mind taking the over here because that's like all you need is one. Just one. Literally, and, yeah. and there was a play that I am dying for the Rams to go back to where they put him on the wheel route and yeah. he is uncoverable. Yeah. He's uncoverable on that. Down the sideline. Down, right down, yes. Yeah. Send him on the wheel, yep. get, give give Stafford time, or and or run the trick play even. They, they did that, I believe, in the uh, Arizona game. They had Odell Beckham throw, the, oh, you know, yeah. throw to yeah. him yeah. in that yeah. scenario. And honestly, like, it was a fine throw, but that was all acres on that play, just creating that space. And uh, I would love to see that. It really only takes one for him to hit that home run. And uh, we, I don't really understand his usage. I don't really understand mm-hmm. the Rams' kind of concepts in general. Like, it's working. That's fine. Like, go out and win. That's fine. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, I mean, every, every touch he gets, instead of Sonny Michelle, I'm happy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, sure. Uh, it's, but, yeah. What you're saying is that it's abnormal for a player to come back from a torn Achilles after five months and to get 25 carries every game. It's and, <laughs> it is a little strange. And average 2.2 yards per carry. I would have lost a lot of bets on that specifically happening. Right. And yeah. so, yeah. The usage has been so strange because, like, the power is back, but, like, the explosion isn't quite back. No. He's still, like, like knocking people over. Like, can't won't come down with arm tackles, but he doesn't hasn't had that explosion. Because normally he's the guy, he's like Delta. You give him 20 carries, at least two of them will go for 25 yards. And we just haven't seen that yet with yeah. Cam Akers. Um, in the postseason, by the way, Cam Akers has run a route on about 45% of Stafford's dropbacks. I, th- I think that I think that's enough to, to get him there. You know, Sony Michelle is about at about 35%. But, you know, 12 and a half receiving yards, like you said, Drew, you just need one. Just and, on one and, screen. Right, one screen. And I know, the, I know the route you're talking about. He wasn't looking at the ball. No. <laughs> he, yeah. his, his head, he was just face forward. It's like he, he had no idea the ball was coming. Yeah, if we could get one of those, that'd be sweet. Yep, put him on the wheel. The, um, the, the general, uh, yeah, the, I, I don't have a ton of um, confidence in the Rams running game up against what has been a relatively stout yeah. Uh, you know, run stop so far this season, even, you know, even dropping guys, they're still doing a really good job of covering up the run uh, Cincinnati defense that is. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, it may become imperative to get him involved yeah, I mean, the, if you want him they involved. They were dropping in the eight dudes against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs still had zero rushing success whatsoever in the second half of that game. So mm-hmm. definitely something to look out for. Definitely something to look out for this week will be a good football show live every day. <laughs> With myself and Denny here from Radio Row in Los Angeles, California. Denny, the Golden State, Denny. It is. Denny's getting used to West Coast time. Uh, you know, the game, I think the game starts at 8.30 a.m. Uh, here on Sunday morning. Is Super Bowl. That, right, uh, right. Yeah. Like every Bengals game, by yeah. the way. Every Bengals <laughs> exactly. postseason game. It's, it's, it's true. federal law that it has to start before noon. People aren't talking about that. That's a huge advantage for the Bengals. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. But it's, a, it's a 3.30 uh, Pacific time on Sunday, Super Bowl 56. But Denny and I here live every day from the Super Bowl. Drew and Sarah Perlman here live every morning on Bet the Edge from the Super Bowl. Have great content for you every day. This week we're going to have a lot of fun guests. Uh, some surprises, Denny? I, I think so. Denny and I laid our bodies on the line today. We did. Uh, we did We did the NFL experience. We did some running, some jumping, uh, all sorts of things. Our hamstrings are sore, but uh, I, think it, I think it was worth it. Yeah, I need, Denny has promised he will ice me up. <laughs> so yeah, we're heading back yeah. to the hotel to do that. So thank you so much, Drew. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Drew. Denny, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us every day this week. We're going to have a lot of great stuff for you. For Drew, for Denny, I'm Pat. We will catch you later Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem Uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil meet Stacy Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses call me picky but I just can't find the one 
Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.